Because even though we've turned Pennsylvania and Georgia, um, which is amazing, I still feel sad that so much of this fucking country mm-hmm. thought it was okay to vote for Trump. So that's going to be how we open this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> bold, bold statement, Kristen Vernon. Bold statement. Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that was it. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Yo, yo, yo. Hi, trusty listeners. How's everyone feeling? <laughs> Um, so for context, it is the Friday um, after the election uh, that happened on Tuesday and that is ongoing. And so all of us are um, feeling a little raw. Yeah. We're kind of in our feelings. It is election day number four. Yeah. It's too many days for one year. And who knows how long it could go on for four years, I guess true um and i personally also feel hopeful but that doesn't negate the other feelings that i'm having hence the fact that i'm in my feelings (laughs) (laughs) i feel very tired uh i've noticed that my symptoms my narcolepsy symptoms are way heightened over the last week um, with stress. And I am sort of in this place of like, obviously I want Biden to win and I'll believe it when he's inaugurated so that nothing can thwart his presidency (laughs) um, or his potential presidency. Yeah, I was talking to somebody last night and said, I don't think that we're gonna be able to like take a deep breath until the end of January. Absolutely not. It will all be like, woohoo, he won, but just waiting for the like 450th shoe to drop. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because we're well past two, the <laughs> other shoe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How are you feeling, Meg? Um, I'm also feeling tired, um, but I feel a lot lighter today. Um, the past few days have been pretty intense and my anxiety was pretty wacky. Um, and I did things like move my hammock into my living room so that I could feel joy. (laughs) And so that, that's fun, but yeah, I've been really anxious. And so I'm kind of on the come down now and like also feeling hesitancy around letting myself be hopeful. So I'm just trying to like sit with all of it. Hmm. What about you, Jerry? I think I'm feeling angsty. Like, no kidding. (laughs) Finally naming it. Thank you. You noticed? I've been asking (laughs) you how, like, you're not okay for the last how long week? What's wrong with being angsty? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, of course. You know, I'm an angsty bitch. So I love that, but it's just not normal, Jared. Well, I think that the thing that's bothered Erica and I is that you have haven't been owning it. Been in denial, Jared. Yeah, and so we've been able to see this for a few days now, and we just have been waiting for you to come around to it. And yes, Kristen, you raised your hand. I did. Is it possible, Erica and Meg, that one of the reasons that Jared hasn't been owning it is A, because he feels angsty, and B, because the minute that it came out of his mouth, you guys jumped on it <laughs> like a lion on a live chicken. Like, just, okay. and haven't, haven't even let him, like, explain. You're oh. both like, see? Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're okay, 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 okay. That didn't happen. Okay, Jared, how are you? <laughs> how are you, you, don't just, you don't just get to erase the record. <laughs> you're feeling angsty tell us about that well I think angsty is different than anxious and it is so you know it's like a mixture of anxious and irritable Mm -hmm. yep which probably has some to do with the election um probably 
know. And it probably has something to do with today's Friday and I have to have a chat shift at 6 p.m. So that, okay. I'm automatically angsty at Erica. Okay, well, Jared, we hey. all take Fridays, okay? Hey. hey, can we compare grief for a minute here? Sure, because let's compare. I had to take a chat shift on the night of election and you didn't have to, Meg. I love you election. I'm going to back you up real quick because I scheduled myself for the night of the election and you asked to switch. I'm just going to okay. make that clear. Okay. I'm not I need everyone to know it wasn't because I wanted to take a shift on election night. It was because I had a presentation on the night that I was originally scheduled. Anyway, it was horrible. So there's that. And also, I feel like I want to take back everything that just happened. Can we... Can we <laughs> Yeah. we cut that out? <laughs> We've established that the record is the record and it goes nowhere. Okay. And then, then again, poor Jared was talking yeah. <laughs> about his feelings. There's and a he couldn't get through it. It's so rare. It's hard for us. Okay? Without you all yelling at him. Listen, I'm mute myself and let Jared finish talking about his angst. I'm done, man. Oh, no, because I have more questions. I want to hear, you said you have a chat shift. You It might have something to do with the election. Anything else that might be contributing to your angst? I don't think so. Particularly the irritability part? Well, that just, that's just part of, like, I'm, I'm even letting her do it. I, like, I can't believe that I let her do this. <laughs> I'm really doing it on purpose to just... Uh, because it's fun and I am, what did I tell you, Meg? I'm the queen of uh, irrational overkill. Irrational <laughs> it comes overkill. to Jared's uh, feelings. Sorry, let buddy. Me let me just tell you how I'm dealing with my angst. Okay. Um, you know that blue bench at HQ? Mm -hmm. I'm rescuing it. And you know the one, Kristen, that you like? Oh, outside. Yeah. The one that looks like a throne. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. So, so this weekend, I, I've already um, made it structurally sound because it was it was kind of sketchy. It was. It was a little wobbly. Yeah. yeah. And just, so now it's it's structurally sound, and I'm gonna um, return it to its original color, blue. And uh, yeah, that's how I've been dealing with my my angst. Well, I appreciate that you shared with us that you're feeling angsty, and that you're doing something so productive about it and I will say that that was my like big mood on Tuesday I'm it's really good that I didn't have a lot planned because I was real irritable <laughs> and real angsty like I whew, I I went to bed on Tuesday night with hope though because all the MSNBC like talking heads told me I should have hope and so when I woke up Wednesday I was like full of hope like I'm all good again <laughs> uh I'm just I can't like throw back to that meeting that we had on Tuesday where we tried to be productive but all of us were so pissed and just like fucked up yeah we tried hard to have a 10 a.m to noon um policy meeting uh with yeah at on Tuesday yeah and it, we were all on edge <laughs> It was an edgy meeting. It's a good dynamic <laughs> when that happens. Yeah. It does not at all trigger me being disassociated. Not at all. When there's so, so uh, is that why you just straight up disappeared without saying a word? <laughs> like an hour in? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, Meg is gone. <laughs> um, I needed a minute to panic cry. And I didn't want to make the meeting about me, so I chose to log off and panic cry to Presley instead. Fair enough. At least you weren't panic vomiting. Yeah, so <laughs> that would be awful. Just make sure you mute if that's, you know, something. If that's the happen. next thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that we're all in our fucking feelings. <laughs> Very in a big way. <laughs> Well, in, in other good news, um, some local good news, 
Woody Park, which is located right behind LMH and near Burt Nash or the community health building um, has been established as a campground to provide temporary shelter for up to 20 individuals. So this is kind of an interesting, I guess, approach as well as an interesting resource that's available to people right now. So we thought this would be kind of an, a good thing to bring up for volunteers so that you're aware that it's, it's out there. Um, but yeah, one of the things that's really a challenge right now is people having access to housing or access to shelter. So this is one way for people to get safe access to shelter. Um, and I'd suggest people go look at the, not go physically look at, but look at online the, uh, the shelters that are in place because they're, they seem to be like hygienic and nice and, you know, they have access to facilities. Um, but it's also kind of one of those things that's like, I guess maybe a double-edged sword is the best, is the, the phrase. Like, it's great that people have access to something like these um, shelters, but it also kind of says something about the state of affairs in our community, as well as maybe more broadly. Mm -hmm. I think if anyone is calling in Douglas County and is looking to get connected with that, um, with, with that camp, um, they just have to connect with the county or um, the homeless outreach team at Burt Nash. Yep. So when you say connect with the county, can you talk more about what that means? I wish I could, um, but I can't because I don't know. I just but, know connect with the county. Yeah, the, I think the best way would be to connect through the homeless outreach team. Um, well, actually, uh, uh, I can't, I'm blanking on his, oh, Matthew said, that I mean they're always willing to make that connection but it's really done through the county oh. um, that's why I said that but I it's just as just as well like connect with the homeless outreach team cool um yeah I don't know it's good news it's good news when we're doing things in the community to provide people with safe housing, not housing, not, let's say shelter, safe shelter, but. At least thoughtful shelter, right? Um, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we should have just songs about feelings playing behind us through this whole podcast. There we go. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have a lot of feelings about it because I, do think that it's indicative of a lot of like systemic bullshit and I think it's important that we're making that choice and that we're doing something yeah so certainly like a stopgap measure um, mm -hmm. but I think as and it'll be really valuable to the people who wouldn't otherwise have shelter right like mm -hmm. so that's been a huge important piece of that yeah is there any anything else going on in the community that is good news that is worth sharing mm. i'm sure <laughs> that the answer to that is yes but nothing that i could pull out of my brain in this moment i have good news right now rachel is raking the yard and um it makes me so happy because i hate raking the yard that's very good news. She's a she's a fan of raking the yard. She does this a lot. She says she doesn't like it, but come on. I mean, it seems like a coping skill. <laughs> yeah. It's it's three <laughs> o'clock on Friday and she's not working, but it's like she's raking the yard because it makes her feel like she's doing something. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty cool that in our community we are um working to implement a prevention program in a bunch of the schools. Um Ooh. Mm -hmm. i.e. sources of strength and so that feels really exciting and we're going to start implementing this next week in Eudora. Cool. That's exciting. School stuff is fun. Well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah and sources of strength is really cool. Mm -hmm. It is super cool and also very intimidating as a trainer but I'm sure that will feel better once we get one school under our belt. 
-hmm. Yeah, I really felt that way about assist. Um, They're just pages and pages and pages of things to say during assist and like all of these little details and all of the ways that you're supposed to do it. And then um, 20 plus assist trainings in, it doesn't, it, it still gives me like a little like, <laughs> it's like this is, and especially now that it's been so long, <clears throat> like when we finally get to do them again, um, I think I'm probably going to have to like spend some time, more time than I have been lately um, with the manual and that kind of thing. But yeah, it reminds sources of strength, like the T for T reminds me of how you described assist. Um, yeah. Because it's structured in a way that's pretty like, well, it's structured. <laughs> it's very structured. Yeah. I mean, you know, speaking of that, doing an assist training doesn't make me want to panic barf anymore. So. You. <laughs> what? That's a thing. I agree. I agree. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> so one of the things that we've been talking about in terms of like the election um, and just the state of the world is like grief and loss Mm -hmm. um, on a bigger scale. And we talked about this a little bit in our first episode about grief and loss. Um, But I think we oftentimes pay a lot of heed to individual loss when it's around a person or a loved one, mm-hmm. however that may look, but we don't necessarily spend a lot of time digging into the impact of like other types of losses. Um, and I was ranting at the beginning about how disappointing it feels that so many people still voted for Trump. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, like if you wipe away the anger and the outrage and stuff, that what that is, is grief that that's, that that's happening because Mm -hmm. it is, it, it feels like a, a very clear message, um, where less, less than, but a little less than half the country thinks about human beings and their rights <laughs> as disposable uh-huh um and so i i think that it will be helpful if i frame it that way for myself moving forward <clears throat> so that maybe that i can be less rageful when interacting with people <laughs> I don't know if that will come to fruition, but if I recognize it as being just sad and heartbroken that that's the way that we feel like it's okay to treat other people, then maybe I'm more likely to take it, I don't know, maybe I'm more likely to scream less. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I think this is like a type of grief that's still too close <laughs> for me to like really process. And there's just like so much, I mean, it's, it's hard because we still don't have a solid answer about what's going to happen, who's going to win officially. Um, and like you said earlier, the 50th or the 4,000th shoe to drop or something like that. Um, I feel like I'm waiting for that. And so that anticipation anticipatory anxiety kind of takes over uh my ability to grieve right now (laughs) sure yeah Yeah. um which which I think does translate to anger for me Mm -hmm. um like how how could not just half of a little a little less than half of the country vote for this man but how, how could more people vote for him this time than in 2016 that is also like, how can we look at the last four years and think, yeah, it's gone pretty well. I can't understand. I don't understand. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. And so that's where I just like get stuck is in the, mm-hmm. in the anger right now. I think, just talking I think... to my, uh, oh, go ahead, Jared. No, you go. I was talking to my um, sister this morning and we were 
just talking about how the percentage of white women who voted for Trump has increased in this election and how like shameful that feels and also like I, I saw a quote from this activist that I follow on social media and she's this really incredible black woman and she said something like and I'm really bad my memory is really bad you all know this now but it basically said something like I keep, I keep hearing white women talk about how disappointed they are in their fellow white women, but those are y'all's friends. So what have you been doing the past four years? And so that's been like an interesting thing to sit with too right now um, as a white woman. I think, I think part of that, that statement gives you more ownership over those, like those people as part of your community. And I think a big part of the grief right now is feeling like a sense of community has been fractured mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It, like it's it, sometimes it's really really hard to empathize with with someone who seems to have such different values than you or you know or to categorize people who vote for trump in in specific ways yeah um and i think that grief does tend to put you on on an island in your feelings like you you get segmented off away from, from people and then you don't, you don't feel connected. And like Mm -hmm. that I think is really relatable right now. Yeah. That is a lot to sit with. I don't like sitting with it. I'll just be honest. I recognize that it's my responsibility. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think that I'm in the same boat, which is why I brought it up, you know, like you're not alone in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do think that it can feel really isolating. And I think that that isolation feels even bigger right now, just because of COVID too. Like we're going through an election, a huge election, like one that matters. I mean, they all matter, but you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're also in the middle of a not in the middle, like still we're continuing to be in a pandemic for the hundredth month or something like that. At least, at least (laughs) the 100th month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, we had, we, we had two episodes where we talked about COVID and all the loss that comes with that. And it, um, and so you know, we don't want to belabor that, except that it's still happening, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it didn't, the grief that exists because of COVID hasn't really lessened because <laughs> like, we're still in the middle of it and something new is coming up and yeah. And then when you couple it with this election um, and how painful it's been, um, it's hard to, it's it's a lot for a lot of reasons like you said it's a lot to sit with mm-hmm. um but i do think that there are really incredibly important reasons to sit with it mm-hmm. and also be be thoughtful about like at what point how how much to dig in right because we have to, but yeah. yeah. Anyway. That said, like, we're still talking to people who are experiencing a shit ton of grief and loss um, and for, for lots of different reasons. And so, you know, how do we, how do we approach that while feeling it ourselves and just how do we approach it in general? Because even if we weren't, experience our, our own grief and loss symptoms. Grief is a hard thing to treat. And yeah. I use quote fingers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there yeah. isn't a great playbook. Yeah, I always find it interesting when, when people come in to call or come into like therapy and they're like, I need, I need help because I'm going through this loss and I don't know how to cope. And I'm just like, well, I can't like pathologize you for grieving. <laughs> like there, there's nothing wrong with you. You're right. just a really hard time. And that like the, and it sucks to just be like, 
there's no easy, there's no fix. Like it's just going to take time and there are things that we can process, but really it's just a matter of like having somebody listen and that kind of like comfort and support. There's no worksheet. Mm -hmm. It'd be be great. Mm -hmm. You can't Uh, argue grief away. Like you can't like rationalize a grief. (laughs) Just reframe it. Um, Yeah. So much of that work is being like, okay, like you're just going to have to wade through it. Like Sometimes you're going to put it in a box so you can function at this level. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're going to sift through that box when you feel like you have time to sit in it and to walk through it. And sometimes you're going to put it in a box and it's going to immediately explode out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're going to have to deal with it whether you meant to or not. Like, Mm -hmm. and then, and that it is a oftentimes long and winding road, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that there are things that are grief markers along the way, just very similar to trauma. Like you can look at that something and say, yep, I grieved that, but it's cool. Like I went through that process. I went through it quickly. It didn't have like such a huge impact on my life. So next, um, and then there are things that are like, ooh, that, that one's gonna take a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding yeah, and sifting through that when there's so much grief happening right now mm-hmm. is, is difficult. Yeah, yeah, because it because sometimes I talk to, okay, you know, like when people are going through something like a breakup or something and they don't really have closure on like what happened. I talk about that as like, you start to make up stories about like what, what could happen, um, what what might be the reason why this happened. And then you make up several of those things. And so then you're grieving like every possibility at the same time mm-hmm. because you don't have like a solid answer to grieve. <laughs> like you don't have one solid thing. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what's happening uh, right now is that like, there's just so much uh, that's unknown and that feels just like never ending like the unknown of it all feels ev- never ending and so you're just like continuing to just be stuck in this cycle that's how mm-hmm. I feel yeah and just grieve like oh well maybe this will this is what will happen <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know it's and I'll feel sad about that or yep. maybe this is what happened and I'll feel angry and sad about that and or this is what will happen and I'll feel angry and sad and full of rage yeah and then I think like I think about like what how like five years from now like when I'm looking back on 2020 like how how like because sometimes I don't recognize grief until I've gotten through it I mean I don't recognize like the depth of grief until I've gotten through it and so then there's like another wave of grief for me because it's like, wow, I was really fucking sad and I was really grieving and I was really impacted by this thing. And I didn't even understand how impacted I was until my life got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wonder what it's going to be like looking back, you know, five years from now and recognizing like how traumatic this year has been <laughs> and the grief that comes along with that. I think one of the things that happens for people is that they get like, superpowers in the middle of their grief um and then like you said five years down the road or a year down the road or whatever they can look back at that time and be like holy crap like how how did I get through that because it was so it was so painful and so Mm earth-shattering how did I how did I pack to go to the airport how did I like function at the funeral home how did I like how did I do those things and I think that truly we we rise so often not all the time but we rise to this occasion Mm -hmm. um that seems impossible every other time yeah and it's it's (laughs) like childbirth you forget that you were that strong and that you had those superpowers and that you can rise to that occasion um and that we can get through it. And so, you know, then, then the next thing causes a lot of anxiety because how would I ever walk through that? I'm not strong enough. Right. Um, But our ability to cope is pretty amazing. Truly. 
especially in the middle of all of this. Mm-hmm. It probably helps when you have a bad memory like Meg's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in like two months, I'm going to forget all this happened and it's just going to feel like the world is literally perfect. Yeah. That's usually how it works. Yeah. <laughs> we don't remember the most painful things. Yeah. How <laughs> oh, there is something to be said for um, like doing a 50 first dates kind of lifestyle right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, although imagine how much it would suck to have to watch the video every morning of what's happening in the world right now. Holy shit. That would be worse, in my opinion. That would be worse. I I would have to be like, listen, I'm just going to need you to leave the video out. Yeah. (laughs) You just want to wake up with a fresh slate. Just just let me, just let me reset. (laughs) Yeah, at least, at least tailor the, the footage and the news a little bit. That would be nice. I feel like in order to do that, you'd have to replay 2019 things rather than 2020 things. Actually, if if we're if we're being completely honest, we probably need to replay 2015 or 14 things. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember 2019. I and I, I was talking to one of my clients today. We were doing a timeline, and we finally got up to the point where like I met this person and we started treatment. And so we were talking about this one incident that I was aware of when it happened because we processed it. And then I was like, wait, how long ago was that? And it was less than a year ago. And I definitely thought it was like three years ago. I seriously felt so confused. See, you you moved through it and uh, (laughs) buried it deep in the past, Yeah, even more than time will allow. And like you're living great. Uh Everything's going so well. Yeah. Totally. Mm -mm -mm. They say that there's a lot of grief associated with like moving. Um, And I think that that's one of those things um, like I said earlier, that like we can we can acknowledge that there is grief a lot of times and be like, that's a thing that I dealt with and I'm okay now. Because moving can be a lot of things, right? Like you, especially if you're moving from town to town or state to state or country to country, right? But even like moving from house to house, um, Meg, do you have your hand up? (laughs) Yes, because this is a really relevant conversation in my relationship right now surrounding moving Um, because Presley and I live in the most perfect little home, but it is so little. Like we have literally a mini kitchen with a tiny stove and a tiny refrigerator and we've just started to outgrow it and we have this amazing landlord who's like family to us now. And we're starting to talk about looking for a new place for next year. Cause in Lawrence, you really have to start looking in like January Mm -hmm. because place good places go really quick anyway. So I was like, I don't know if I'm ready. Like I want to live in a bigger home, but I'm really sad to leave this one. Like it feels bigger than any grief that I've felt surrounding any other place that I've ever lived. So that, that was an interesting thing for you to bring up, Kristen. Yeah. And that knowing you, Meg, like that's a bold statement because you have always had like that homesickness kind of grief when yeah. you move anytime. Yeah, that's true. It is. It is. I, I really like to put roots down and like feel settled. That is a huge part of my anxiety. Um, being under control is like having a routine that's really specific mm-hmm. to what I need um and my home is my my safe haven and so when you finally establish that and for so many years I didn't have that Mm -hmm. um and so I think part of that is this is the first time that I've felt super settled in my home um but anyway I just thought it was interesting that you brought that up when Presley and I've been processing through this the past couple weeks well because it's it 
it's like a complex it's a complex set of feelings it's the it's the thing that we talk about in relationships right where you can hold multiple things at once like just like you said like you can be excited and happy and relieved to move into a bigger place and at the same time also like heartbroken and 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 sad um and sort of wishing for the like the, the nostalgia of it all you know um and so sometimes that kind of grief can be really hard to navigate because it it feels like if you're not just if you don't just lean into the excitement of getting like a bigger place um then you're not being grateful and you're not like you're not responding to the new thing the way that you should or or paying it homage in the way that you should and so instead you're just being negative and you hate change and you you know like you, mm-hmm. all of those things that, oh you just don't like change I mean sure and there's there's rationale behind it mm-hmm. it isn't necessarily change for change sake like mm-hmm. it's that there are possibilities and memories and stuff yeah that exist and we have to be mindful of that yeah that resonates with me a lot too because like I think about my attachment to like you said, Meg, to things in my spaces, but also like my responsibilities and my roles, like you get an attachment to just the way that your life is moving. And I have a really difficult time with transitions um, and with change, even though I know like, oh, I'll be fine. I'm going to get the hang of whatever is coming next. And like, I'm, I'm going to be okay because I'm resilient and I'm smart and I'm all of those like things I'm capable, but like it also is like, it just brings up this level of like, but I'm really of grief and anxiety and just, I'm really going to miss that. Like, I feel very invested in the things that I've been doing or have had or whatever. And um, yeah, I just, I think that it's like, I wonder if I've, I've always wondered if other people felt that way. Like if other people feel as attached to certain things as I feel like I do. Well, you dared you. I was I was just gonna say, I think we also put we put a lot on other people. Um, but I, the example of of someone losing something is is what's fresh in my mind because Rachel's grandfather died um, a couple weeks ago, and um, without without speaking too much about her experience, but it, I I think we can put our grief onto others and um, assume to some extent what they might experience based on our, our own grief. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that we run the risk of, I don't know, maybe just, maybe it's just inaccurate or maybe it's, it's unhelpful, but it's really normal to try to like put someone's grief in a box and I don't know. I don't know. Do you, I guess, do all of you think that part of the problem is that we assume what people will experience when, when they are grieving or if they will grieve at all? Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly, yeah. I mean, I think that I have a lot, I mean, we all do, but I, 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 I know that I have a lot of experience with grief and loss in so, in so many different types of grief and loss or so many different types of loss. Um, and so I can certainly be that person who makes those assumptions. Um, and sometimes I also, but then sometimes I question like, does anybody grieve in this way? Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. It, it sort of goes back to the island thing that Jared was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Grief can feel really like isolating. Um, and oftentimes it feels like you're on an island. And some of that I think is that when we experience loss, we want that the whole world to stop. Yes. And it doesn't. Yes. <laughs> and so as it like rushes forward, there is that like true sense of isolation. And I think what comes with that then is also a sense that I'm the only one who grieves like this. Like I'm the only one who 
is taking this this hard. I yeah. should I should be doing this instead. I should be doing that instead. Um, but to Jared's point, I also think that we do that we do put our expectations of how someone should be handling loss on people. Um, I think we've all experienced ex like having a loss and then having to comfort other people around our very personal loss. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, and and being like, hey, how is this about you and not about me? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and why am I wiping your tears? over something that is this painful for me mm -hmm. and why am I having to reassure you that I'll be fine <laughs> because you're so very worried about me yeah that is one of the exact reasons that I have a hard time like crying in front of people because I feel this like deep desire to take care of folks after I am vulnerable <laughs> mm -hmm. after you emote you want to make sure they're okay with your emoting? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I commonly use the example, like when I was in college, I would find ways not to, uh, not to talk about my parents. Cause you know, like freshman year of college, everyone's like, so what's your family? Like, what do your parents do? And because my dad was dead, I was like, well, I don't want to talk about this. Cause then they're going to be like, well, how'd he die? And I'll be like, well, you know, he killed himself. And, um, you know, it, like you just don't want to have that conversation because it's uncomfortable for others. Like it wasn't, it, it was partially uncomfortable for me. Um, but it was more about like, I, don't, I really just don't want you to have to deal with this. Yeah. Like, people I, fall over themselves when yeah. you're like, well, my parent died of, from suicide. Like he killed himself. And yeah. then people are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then I, then I have to say, it's cool. I'm in suicide prevention. Like things are great. Like, you know, yeah. and I, I really learned a lot from it. Like we've really yeah. grown as a family. Yeah. I've made a lot of meaning out of this loss. It's not that weird. <laughs> Fine. Hey, but can, can I ask as a person who has not lost a parent to suicide, what type of response would you hope for? That sucks. <laughs> How about the, how about them chiefs? I don't know. Like, it depends on the day, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that a lot of times, um, I, I have found myself being the one who has to answer a lot of their curiosity questions and it would be great not to have to do that. Like, um, it, it, instead I, giving, I think it comes down to giving the opportunity to tell the story if you want to, like, um, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. If you ever want to talk about it, I'm open to that. Like, mm -hmm. um, or what do you need in this moment? Like it, it's so far away from me now that if anybody were to say like, what do you need? I would be like, I don't know a sandwich. Like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like fries. Um, <laughs> Always need fries. Yeah. A diet coke, bitch. What are you talking? About? <laughs> just, well, what just I rattle really your can. Just like <laughs> I'm empty. <laughs> I think I said this last time, but our our group of friends started giving each other cheesecakes when like really bad shit happens for that exact reason. Um, because it's really hard to know what to do and what to say and where to like, because we say, if you need anything, let me know. Mm -hmm. And then the person who's the one who might need something never knows what to say because of that, that exact reason. Like we don't want to put that on anyone else. Mm -hmm. And we also don't want to have to like comfort anybody else or feel like if I'm asking you to bake a casserole or to sit with me while I cry or whatever mm -hmm. that I'm that I'm asking too much mm -hmm. it's it's a like a shitty loop to be in yeah um, but all oh, that reminds me of just the other night I was having really bad anxiety and I texted Erica and asked if I could call her and I warned her that I was like upset and all that and um I can't remember if I asked if it was too much, but you said, this is not too much for me. And that just felt so validating and like encouraged me to call you. So thanks for that, buddy. 
It's because I think you said, can I call you or is that too much? And then I said, you can call. And I didn't say anything else. And then it was taking you too long to call me. <laughs> so that's why I said that. Um, and you're welcome. But I wanted to, like, where you Before you jump in, I just want to say that I think that we have all started to do a, a thing that is important within our, like, work space, which is, do you have the capacity for this right now? Mm -hmm. um, and then trusting that the other person will say the true answer to that, because there are enough of us that are here to support each other, that right. if I go to Erica and I say, Erica, do you have the capacity to hear this? And she says, no, then I can be like, cool. <laughs> Thanks for telling me, Meg, do you have the capacity for this? Yeah. Right? Like, um, so that I think feels really important, especially right now, mm -hmm. is that, that we have a group of people who have established that we can ask whether or not they have the ability to hear it. And then we can trust that the answer will be true mm -hmm. and act accordingly. Yeah. Um, I was gonna go back to what Jared was saying about, because I've been thinking about it ever since you said it, trying to like understand. <laughs> and I finally understand you were talking about how it's easy for us to like it's we want to put grief in boxes mm -hmm. to make to make it more comfortable and how you said the thing about you sort of just skipped over it but it has been sticking in my mind you said like we make assumptions about us we, we make assumptions about how people will grieve and and also the fact that they will grieve at all like and so I was thinking about that. And recently, um, my dad has been sending me, I've mentioned this a couple of times, probably on the podcast at this point. So I think like this is a, a way that we're bonding. Uh, but he's, he's been really interested in that Chester guy from Lincoln Park, mm -hmm. who died by suicide. Mm -hmm. And he's been sending me like videos and stuff about his like Chester's depression and uh, just other stuff. And so I was like, I was just like, one of the videos he sent me this week was how he was, Chester was like laughing um, 36 hours before he died. There was a video of him just like eating gross jelly beans with his family and like reacting to the flavors. And so my dad sent this to me and I was like, it seems like you've been really curious about this person lately. Like, why is that? What's going on? And he was saying that um, it's just that like he didn't really know about him until recently and he really liked some of his music but he's like but it's so obvious that people really cared about him and so his decision was crazy to me like mm -hmm. he just can't he can't process it and uh that turned into like some education around depression and all of this I have a point um and then I said something like just like like people experience a lot of pain and depression can make you believe a lot of things um and he was like i'm just really glad <laughs> i can't even say this about like i'm just really glad that our family has um had like a lot more positive experiences than horrific ones mm -hmm. and immediately i was just like in my i wanted to text back and be like need or like need i give you this li long list of terrible tragedies that have happened in our family because we literally in our friend group talk about my family as like could be on a telenovela like some crazy shit like my dad's grandparents died by murder suicide y'all yeah. like, let's talk about that we're, we're just so grateful that yeah and so I'm just and my dad was like burned alive like full full on burnt full body burn yeah it, well not his legs but upper body burn Oh, dude, um, yeah, not his legs. It doesn't count. Yeah. And I'm just like, you've literally, like, he's had so much trauma and like, he doesn't recognize it as trauma. And so I know that he has absolutely experienced grief and loss. Like, I know that he's grieved certain things, but it's just wild to me how like, he doesn't grieve in this, he doesn't grieve anywhere near the way that I grieve. And I've always um, like made a lot of assumptions about that and what that means. And I'm just starting to understand like, this is just how he copes and there's nothing wrong with it. Like he's, he's fine. Um, he's, he's fine. <laughs> um, but it's like how, it, the, the interpretation of experience is really just like wild, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to grief and loss. 
Yeah, I, th- I think the awareness happens first with our family members because like you see people just respond so much differently. And I can think about my own experience with my dad's death. And it's like, we all responded, like I have three other siblings and my mom, like we all responded in very different ways. Um, and And I can relate to the narrative too, that like, yeah, everything turned out hunky dory, you know, you know, or, we're just tighter than ever. And, you know, I think that is the narrative that we told ourselves. And then, you know, we got a few years down the road and we're like, I'm kind of fucked up over this. Like <laughs> my sister's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've been telling myself this for years and until I got into therapy and I was like, man, this is, this is uh, a little, a little bit of a lie I've been telling myself. So there's, turns out there's still some shit to process. Right. <laughs> Boo. Boo. <laughs> I know you were talking about really traumatic stuff, Erica, but I just mm-hmm. want you to know that I was a little bit distracted by how cute your hair looks right now. Thank you. So. I had it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I I just I I'm. <laughs> blown away by my dad's process of grieving I find it incredibly uh fascinating and I I think to tie this back to our conversation about like you know collective loss or environmental loss like some of these big types of like just ongoing loss it's like some people will get through 2020 having never experienced an iota of what we're talking about and like that, that is just, that is their reality. That is their truth. And um, I don't know. It's yeah. to some extent, I, th- you know, I, I do think that like we choose to grieve. Um, like we, we choose to enter that process. Um, and it, it may not be like a really active choice, but it, it, it's maybe you set yourself up to go through grief. You don't, you don't really get to choose if you experience a loss, but you do get to choose if you grieve. I think I can understand like what you're saying, because I think about working with people. Um, and I think part of like, part of the barrier to grieving is recognizing something as a, like, as a very serious loss, like, like thinking about breakups and thinking about job loss or just any, any kind of loss. Um, I think like sometimes part of my job is is really just saying like you understand that that's a huge loss, right? Like hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. And, and you really do deserve to be able to grieve that. Like instead of shaming yourself for th- th- being fucked up over this thing, that is no big deal. Like let's recognize that it's a huge deal. It's a huge loss, and you're not fuck. You're not. You don't have to be ashamed of grieving. <laughs> like and then that can change the sort of the frame from shame to grief. I think. Yeah, because some it sometimes it's about just having permission to have those feelings. Like it is okay to feel really sad or not. Right? Like it it is okay to to feel your feelings. We we Jared, you were talking about the like how how people will have experienced this pandemic. And I um recently saw a post on Facebook that was like, okay, like I want us to be thoughtful about how we're presenting this, especially around Halloween to our kids. Because if the thing that we're presenting is like little Timmy, um, his life sucks so much. Like it's so hard for him. Like he doesn't get to do all these cool things. Like everything is, is bad. Um, then it is likely that little Timmy will have that experience <laughs> versus if we frame it. Now I've said little Timmy too many times and it has no more meaning. Um, but <laughs> If, if we frame it for little Timmy, like, look at this new experience that we get to have. Um, like, mm-hmm. instead of trick-or-treating, we're going to play these, like, fun yard games. Or we're going to, like, do some social distanced candy. Or we're going to shoot candy from a t-shirt can- cannon. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that that's easier when we're talking about kids who don't necessarily have a point of reference. And also a good point yeah but i but i don't want that to so much overshadow the fact that people are really experiencing like true grief right like here we go again little timmy's parents <laughs> may be experiencing some true grief around the fact that um they really wanted their child <laughs> to 
to experience trick-or-treating and have the costume and like be all of that and they're sad that that isn't happening so it's i feel like it's important to acknowledge that and also to say but you can shape your child's narrative in a different way there are just so many like i said before and we've all said there are so many different levels to how we grieve and how we experience things and then how we put that on other people because it's the I think that's a good example of the box that Jared was talking about. Mm -hmm. Like if our experiences that we're sad about trick or treating and we put that on our kids or the other people in our lives, then we're not giving them the opportunity to feel their own feelings. We're just mm -hmm. making an assumption that our feelings are true for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I'm like, really good at making sometimes like both both extremes not usually a middle ground I don't know maybe I'm just like having some imposter syndrome right now I don't know what's happening <laughs> um but I was gonna say I feel like I am often putting my feelings onto somebody else like if I felt this way somebody else must be feeling this way but then there are other times where I'm like I know I'm a sensitive bitch and nobody feels the way that I feel on a regular basis. So yeah. I'm alone with my feelings of sad. Yeah. yeah. Except for this song. This song really gets me, but nobody other than this song gets me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Precisely. Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. This song and this tub of ice cream, they really get me, but nothing yeah. else, no, uh -huh. nothing other than this song and this tub of ice cream. Erica. Yeah. I need you to know that I listened to your feel feel good or feel better song um, by Phoebe Bridgers, and I did not feel better after. <laughs> I think that you have to be a sad girl to feel better after <laughs> that song because it also is very cathartic for me, Erica. Well, I and that's the thing. Like, is it a cathartic experience? Because that's that's another thing. People's like feel better experiences are oftentimes vastly different. Yeah, um, like. Sometimes I put in, when I'm having a really like terrible time or I'm grieving a lot, I'll put in like steel magnolias mm -hmm. or hope floats or phenomenon or something. And those are movies are awful. Yeah. <laughs> From a grief standpoint, they're not uplifting. It's not like watching, you know, a Disney movie or Shit's Creek. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, how am I going to feel the most miserable? Oh, I'm going to watch six seasons of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> but, <laughs> That'll make yeah. me feel better. But I think, I think like it, what it goes back to for me is exactly what you said. Like, I love sad music because I feel so validated and I spent uh -huh. most of my life feeling incredibly invalidated. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, you know, the song Funeral by Phoebe Bridgers is really fucking good to me. <laughs> And also music is so like powerful as far as like putting us back in a space true and like like bringing up memories and and all of that kind of stuff yeah now the question is uh, i i feel in my heart that jared will put a put a soundtrack about feeling songs behind mm -hmm. this whole thing and then it, do we get to end the podcast with erica's like in quote fingers feel better song mm. <laughs> I don't think grief and loss. So Jared, Jared's like, I don't, I don't think we'll be helping anyone's mental health by putting that song at the end. I don't, I really, maybe Meg's song, Gaslighter by the Chicks. Uh, Jared, the thing is, is that that was not the song that I requested to be put that on. Is absolutely not the song, Jared. How many times do we have to tell you this? The song I requested was Cowboy Take Me Away. And you told yourself that it was Gaslighter because you, I mean, I love that song, but I know you love that song because <laughs> it pulled up on your computer one time at the office and it was on that. So don't try to hide behind me <laughs> with your love of the Dixie Chicks, who are actually now just the Chicks. Yeah, which, yeah. Jared, which Jared properly named them just a minute ago. No, oh, it wasn't me. I mean, I didn't. Yeah. Sorry, let me take it back, but. Well. You know, I think that's a prime example of projecting onto someone else. <laughs> yeah, Jared. We're all we're all guilty of we're it. We're all guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, well, with that, it feels like we 
we all have some music to go listen to, maybe some movies to watch. Yeah. I think I'm going to listen to the Gregorian chants. Yes. <laughs> After this. That one, that one sets a good tone, gets you in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that doesn't do it, then WAP is always yes. available. I really me, the variety. Phantom of the Opera soundtrack will just fix it. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I love that I experience. I love that for you. That's a very Schitt's Creek thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just did my Moira impression for Monica and she was very impressed. Go for it. Let's hear it. Alexis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one word, but oh, no. I worked really hard on it. It's cute. <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, it's you great. should probably put it on TikTok. Just on a loop. <laughs> you should say, uh, Alexis, play the Ring Ring podcast but in a Moira accent. Alexis, do you know, Jared? Yes, I, I understand the reference. Schitt's Creek. The, yeah. Yeah. You, but, but you were trying to do a play on words. Yeah. Geez. Okay. Really cute thought. And I feel too put on the spot to make that happen right now, but I'll practice. Well, Erica, Erica did an introduction of me in uh, our mental health episode, which is now up. Um, yeah. And did you it keep was, the introduction? I kept the introduction. It nice. Was really That's good. Awesome. It, was the, it was the introduction that was at the end. So. Yeah. 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 Really good. That's funny. Thank you. All right, y'all. I'm, I'm tapped out of grief yeah. and loss. I feel yeah. like I'm going to do like it's time. Yeah. <laughs> It's time for Meg and Erica to go color uh-huh. and for Jared to, Jared to, to paint his chair. Yeah. <laughs> we have and to eat for a dead to play some video games. Yeah. Diet Coke. Uh, yeah, I'm almost out of Diet Coke, y'all. That means mm. the podcast's over. Oh. <laughs> Rattle the can. <laughs> all right, everybody. Bye-bye. Love you all. Be nice Bye-bye. to yourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs>